Welcome to Holy Shit, guys. Thanks so much for being here. This is Holy Shit 3, and we are here with some good people, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the show. Uh, this is uh, just a little bit of housekeeping up front. You guys, uh, there's like uh, over 400 people that are subscribed to this already. Please share it with your friends, even if you're mo with your mom, if it'll make her mad. And please go to iTunes and comment and rate my podcast, because that screws up their algorithms so they can't help but have this share with other people. And even if you don't like me, uh, maybe you also don't like Joel Osteen. And Joel Osteen has <laughs> 135 comments. So we can have more comments than Joel Osteen relatively easily. Like that, that shouldn't be that hard. So uh, if you just want to like annoy Joel Osteen, which to me is a worthwhile thing for all of humanity to do right now, uh, <laughs> go on to my podcast and just like make him go like, what? I don't, what? Wait, what? And then just go back with whatever his empty head was doing beforehand. So um, <laughs> I want to thank you guys for, uh, for doing that. So we are going to be talking about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah today with two uh, comedians, good friends of mine who are going to be uh, trading off uh, between being the smart person and the amusing idiot. They both have both of those characters in them at all times. Uh, <laughs> so first off, currently based in first off, currently based in Edmonton, we have. <laughs> This is also a podcaster. They can't see your business. Oh, they can't see me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was cool. Like, this works for now, but this only helps the people on YouTube. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm continue. I'm sorry. You know, I'm so even sorry. a podcaster who also puts your podcast on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, but Drew is here. Drew, uh, based in Toronto, very funny comedian. Has an album out called Gnarly. Uh, please welcome, put your hands together for Drew Bame. Oh, I haven't heard that in a month and a half. Do that again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like heroin for me. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so true, eh? Uh, yeah. So uh, anything, anything interesting happening in your life, Drew? Anything you want to promote? <laughs> Um, I mean, my, I will use your podcast to promote my very own podcast as well. <laughs> I have, uh, it's twice a week. It's on Mondays and Thursdays and it's on everything and it's on YouTube and, uh, yeah, it's called this week with Drew and I play piano and sing songs and talk about stuff and I have segments and it's very funny. So yes. there you go. If you watch The Bachelor, you should watch Drew's podcast. Uh, yes, I also do Bachelor reviews, Jeopardy reviews. Uh, you know, there's lots of stuff going yeah. on. Right now, I've been talking about Love It or List It because that's been my newest thing. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, if they ever bring it back, I would love to do, like, a great Canadian baking show, like, podcast. Like, one that comes up immediately after an episode airs. Like, that would be, because that's what my family has been doing is watching baking shows every night so yeah, that's nice you, you should get on drew's podcast to um review the fire channels with them oh right <laughs> you're I, doing log channel fire i started reviews? a fire channel review podcast last year and oh my god like <laughs> so we can talk i'll bring in our other guests to talk about this because because he's super funny as well Pre uh, please put it together for mav Addiser. Woo! hello so, happy to be here 
I kind of know you best for your extremely well-reviewed uh, Fringe play, which was a very funny friend, one-man show about climate change. Um, yeah, yeah. Is that a fair description of that show? I, 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 think, I think that it's a very generous description of the show. And actually, like, I remember hand-billing at the Fringe, and it was my first day hand billing and I'd never done the fringe before so like I remember saying out loud hey come to my show it's a stand-up comedy show about climate change and then immediately laughing in front of her face like this punter who I've never met yeah and I had to apologize it was like sorry I've never said that out loud before it sounds <laughs> crazy <laughs> I don't know if I sold her on it but <laughs> I mean, there are very few things as funny as the end of the world, really, <laughs> when you start to add it up. Like, if you're not going to laugh, what else are you going to do? I think so, yeah. But um, are, you in, are you in on a fire log review channel? Like, I have opinions on fire logs. I don't know if you guys have opinions. I, on, on I, I, am, I am for just kind of, like, wasting any amount of, like, a brain power on something so absurd like that <laughs> it's pretty that's pretty great you come yeah. in Sounds can good. i get wait i are we doing a review is it, okay wait is it a review channel on the the fire logs tv show or is it on actual fire logs that you would buy no, like so on netflix there's like seven of them right like okay seven. i know what you're talking about yes yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. okay yes yeah. we're reviewing different ones of those because there's good ones okay. and there's bad ones right <laughs> sure yo of course i mean <laughs> what would you like, want to watch a poplar click all night and crap <laughs> we can get a nice hardwood Bosses with them too yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. around there's always a hand in there yeah, yeah. Get, yeah. get your hand out of there that's my yeah. biggest beef with Shaw lately. Shaw has gone to this, like, the guy is constantly messing with the fire, and I'm like, leave it alone. You know, like, it's fine. And then he'll, totally. like, go and move it around and make the fire worse. And I'm like... Unless you, you could turn that into a drinking game. Every time he pokes the fire, you take a drink. <laughs> You're like, oh, there you go. It, it always seemed to me to be a waste that it was always just a human hand. You know, like... You have all of this technology at your fingertips. No, you can but, make oh. it. yeah, but sometimes like they'll overdo the decor and stuff. Like they'll try to go cutesy themesy where it's like right. I'm wearing a really Christmassy sweater as I poke the fire a lot. Yeah, that's that's too much. The, okay. They forgot who's the, the star of the show is, and the star of the show is the fire. Is, is the fire? Yeah. And the whole point is to make you believe that you have a fire when you don't. And like, if some random hand shows up in your fire, that's weird. And then it it ruins the illusion. Unless you come in over top and you're like, oh yeah, you time it good, and you're like, no, that's really me. No, that's just me. You wear get the same shirt as the guy. Like, we got to get that, a blue flannel. He keeps changing shirts. Every episode, a different <laughs> shirt. I think you're missing a great uh, crossover opportunity with the Food Network. And you should bring in s'mores and hot dogs. And I, like, I appreciate it. But, like, this is what this is how everything gets ruined. Everybody thinks that, like, we got to bring everything in here. And it's like, no, there was a security <laughs> that existed when it was just, like, a fire. And you would hear the fire sound. And it was perfect. 
And then they're like, maybe people would like to hear Christmas music with this fire. And it's like, no, no, we wouldn't. Why? Why no, would you think that? No one would want that. I have a stereo if I want to listen to Christmas music. <laughs> I can play the actual Christmas songs and not the cheap ones that you guys found on like yeah. Pops. It's like, <laughs> like Michael Buble exists for a reason, okay? I'm not going to listen to this. Exactly. Like, I could just do that. I don't need to hear your like elevator music versions of Christmas tunes. But that that I get very passionate about that. Also, people that put techno beats to Christmas carols, like I definitely think that that was Satan. Not that I have a great affection for Christmas carols, but it's just like no, <laughs> like you're not making it better. <laughs> like <laughs> you've taken two things that are fine on their own and made them both made it objectively worse. <laughs> oh yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to get going. We're going to be talking about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, I also want to, we got to do this before we start out, because we're uh, talking about Bible stories. Like, what did you guys grow up with with these stories? Were these things that you kind of heard in the ether? Did you grow up? I know a little bit about your backgrounds, but did you grow up with, like, as this as part of your family tradition that, like, we take the Bible seriously? Like, where are you at with that, Drew? You're just oh yeah, big time. You know that we we've had these yeah. conversations before, but I uh, I grew up in a very uh, traditional Roman Catholic upbringing, and uh, yeah, it uh, yeah, it's definitely something that's like yeah, so these reflective stories, in my upbringing. Yeah, these stories are familiar with you. It's like going in some ways. It's going back to a place you've been before. Or? Oh yeah, big time. When my girlfriend and I watch Jeopardy, anytime there's like a biblical category. She didn't grow up religious, and, like, I always, like, nail it, because they always do, like, surface-level stuff, you know, like, how many times are you going to say, like, you know, like, Matthew or Mark or, you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty easy stuff, right? Like, it's, like, they're lobbing you softies, because it's, like, general Bible knowledge, but uh, she doesn't know any of it, right? Like, she's, so, and for me, this stuff is just, like, it's, 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 like... Yeah. It, you, you know like it's just it seems like it's like math or something like you just know these things yeah it's like i grew up without cable um like so there's just so many television references that i don't get and people are like you don't remember GoBots, and i'm like no i didn't get GoBots. i didn't get that <laughs> it wasn't yeah. on cbc all right like <laughs> so what about you matt so I, I grew up in the philippines um in a I would say like an average household, which translates as very Catholic to everyone else. Right. <laughs> um, and like, I actually, I grew up in the, in the eighties and nineties and we were getting these, like, there was a huge mission to like proselytize in Japan. Whoa. Okay. So right about now we had a spammer come in the room and it got kind of gross so had to edit some stuff out and now back to the show yeah it's it's really gross yeah okay so sorry shifting gears so grew up in the Philippines, uh, right so like um yeah and I, I i grew up around this time when there was like a big push in the late 70s to proselytize to japanese uh people okay. um and so uh an aspect of that was creating anime that was about Bible stories. Oh, wow. And, and because, because of the proximity, we would get those cartoons. So, like, I grew up on these shows called Superbook and Flying House. Oh, wow. Where, like, these, <laughs> you're like, these two kids and a robot friend 
time travel to the New Testament, you know, that that sort of stuff. Like, super lighthearted. Were people yeah. just cool with the robot? They didn't have any questions? They, they were just the, robot, the robot had a cross on it for some oh. reason. So it was a Christian <laughs> robot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, he would just show up and nobody questioned it. Wow. <laughs> that opens like a whole like theological can of worms about like what is the eternal destiny of robots or AI? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like which I'm sure has been discussed at uh, seminaries to uh, no end. Um, I want to ask a question. Please forgive me. This is ignorant, but like it seems like the Philippines as a whole is just a a, a more religious culture right like like I, yeah i would i would say that that's probably true for most developing countries right right like um but the philippines specifically was was very catholic i think the demographics they're still mostly catholic but like there's uh there's been like uh, a huge trend for uh, protestantism like over the decades well specifically pentecostalism right like that's, that's right yeah yeah okay cool yeah that that, that seems to be the thing and i i find that kind of kind of fascinating because like in north america we're like specifically in canada we're just like everything that we like let's just turn that down to about four four is the max yeah right, our, right right four is our medium level and like you can spike from there but we're starting at a four where like it seems like other cultures you know, like, it's just like, we're going to crank that. Like our, our mid level yeah, is like seven. eight, eight is yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, depending on the culture, it's just like, this is our midpoint is seven. And uh, yeah, we're going to move up and down from there. But you know, it, 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 the, the equivalent level of like extremism or non-belief is like the same. It's just that you're already turned up that much. Well, uh, and uh, one of the consequences of that is that like now um, a lot of, a lot of parishes end up importing Filipino priests because there's not as many uh, Canadians in the seminary or something. Yeah, when I was first doing Bible college, I remember Vancouver School of Theology, which is like a United Church seminary, had like 14 full-time faculty and 12 full-time students. (laughs) (laughs) That's not sustainable. (laughs) But... Yeah. On campus. On campus. Well, no, I think it was even, it's United, right? What's the point? Wow. Right? Like, because that's the problem with the with the fully liberal things. It's like, if I don't believe in anything anyway, then what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> not, not to be rude, but right? Like, it's just like, if you don't, you know, it's, if it's just like, I don't think that going to church is any different than going to brunch, then go to brunch. Like, that is... <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I'm a believer, and that's a relatively easy choice. Like, if you don't think <laughs> this matters, like mimosas are a way better option. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're but we're gonna talk about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So I'm gonna jump in the yeah, I'm gonna jump into the story right now, and uh, and start off with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now this story starts off with God coming down to Earth, and God is specifically coming down to visit Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, I'm coming down to check out because he says, the cry of their evil has reached up to me and I want to hear if it's as bad as they say. 
So if so, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna visit Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'll find out, and then I'll know uh, if it's if it's really bad. So on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah, he stops and he visits his friend Abram, uh, Abraham, and he is made. He already knows Abraham has a bunch of made a bunch of promises to Abraham about like the kind of nation that's going to be developed through him. All peoples will be blessed through Abraham, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But he stops in to see him right before. And then he says, like, okay, well, I'm going to let Abraham know what I'm doing with Sodom and Gomorrah because he's got some relatives there and stuff. So he's just like, hey, going to Sodom and Gomorrah, I might destroy it if their evil is as bad as people say. Now, because it's 2020 in North America, I got to back up a little bit and, and kind of remove some stuff that we might think about this story from our heads because – when we say the word sodomy in English in this time period of time in history, that word means uh, homosexual sex acts between males. It didn't always mean that. And, um, and while that's pretty old in Christianity, it wasn't always the case. None, none of the first hearers of this story would have assumed that that was the great evil that they were doing. And... Uh, and, right. and in fact, it's really not until about Augustine, which is like a few hundred years after Jesus, that you really start to see that kind of idea um, become the norm. And in fact, we're told what the evil of Sodom was in the book of Ezekiel later on, where in the book of Ezekiel, it says that the evil that Sodom and Gomorrah committed was that they had, and this should concern us as North Americans, that they had pride an excess of food, prosperous, they, uh, uh, prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. So that was the evil that came up to them. It seems that that they had that there was a group of people that had a lot, and then yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's. A group I mean, you invite angels into an orgy one time, and suddenly that's the only thing. Ever that's involved. the only thing that they did bad. Yeah. Well, that's going to come up, but it's interesting. Like the starting point doesn't seem to be the, the the sexual promiscuity. The starting point is that like some people had a lot, and then they didn't share it with people who needed things. And that's thematic across the entire Bible. That that's the thing that really pisses off God the most. And it's interesting to look at this structurally. That like homosexuality is talked about six times in the entire Bible, whereas like hundreds of times it's like how did you treat the poor did the poor have equal access to the justice system like <laughs> all of these things that we should probably concern be concerned about as contemporary north americans and it's interesting because like um i've heard multiple biblical scholars who have said that the the people of sodom have genuine beef if they go to god and they're like hey what about those guys like, like, well, how come we got rained on, but they didn't? And that'll come later. So, so he stops in to see Abram uh, to say, like, the, the cry of Sodom's evil has reached up to me. Uh, I'm going to go check it out. And uh, so, so uh, Abraham, knowing that he's got some family there and probably knowing some other people there, um, sidles up to God and it's just like, hey, I know that you're concerned about the whole city being righteous, but like, what if there's 50 righteous people living in the city? Like, they're, what if they're not all evil, right? What if there's 50 righteous people there? Would you, where are you, it's not like you, you're not the kind of guy that's going to destroy 
everybody just because it, it, like the righteous people with the with the really bad people right and god's like yeah you're right okay fine if there's 50 righteous people there i won't destroy the city and abraham's like okay cool what if five of those people turn out to be kind of shitty like what if, what if we think that there's 50 but then five of them are like oh no they were also like destroying the poor as well so can we like are you still gonna destroy it and then god's like okay you're right i'm not gonna destroy it for i'm not gonna destroy it if there's 45 righteous people and abraham's like cool how about 40 is 40 cool like if there's 40 righteous people right you're not gonna destroy the city then and god's like okay fine if there's 40 righteous people i'm not gonna destroy the city and then moses like look i don't want to bug you god you're holy and I am ashes and dust, but what if there's only 30? What if there's only 30 righteous people? Is that 30's good, right? Like 30 is fine. Like if there's 30 people, you're not gonna destroy. And God's like, okay, fine, 30, 30. If there's 30 people there, I won't destroy. If there's 30 righteous people in the city, I won't destroy. He's like, okay. And then Moses is like, is 20 good? What about 20? 20 is still a lot of people. That's like, three, four families there, right? Like that, what about 20? And God's like, fine, 20. And Moses is like, look, I don't want to bug you. 10. I, I just think 10 is a lot. For If there's 10 righteous people, then, then maybe that's enough. And finally, God is just like, yeah, fine. If there's 10, if there's 10, I will not destroy the city. And Abraham stops pushing his luck and settles at 10. <laughs> and so we have this- Wait, is Abraham Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the joke was just annoying Kijiji negotiator. <laughs> it is sitting there. It was sitting right there, man. He fucking, you know, you know he, got, he, got, he got him down. He got him down. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, continue. That was inappropriate. No, no, no. Even the even the rabbis would be like, yeah, we came by it honestly. Like this is <laughs> ten? Well if you do ten then you'll do nine. <laughs> what? What's wrong with nine? <laughs> well Eight? and the, the story is amazing because it does start at fifty and like as many steps as I said, those are written in the story. It's not like yeah. it's like it's not like there's like a couple of sentences to fill in where it was like Moses barking them down to <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> barking them. Good save there, Dan. <laughs> it's in my head. It's my. <laughs> I grew up with this. I grew up in PEI in the '90s. There was lots of bad things that we said. Buddy, <laughs> it's uh, it's heritage, not hate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like every step, he bargains him down. I think it's a really fascinating moment you know in this but it's also like it's not only that it's also like god is just like willing to be talked down a little bit right he's just like okay i'm up to a negotiation what are we talking here like what are you <laughs> although we never see him being like so what's in this for me like well, how many you know like do i get more righteous people later on like okay. how's that how's that gonna work um so we're going to take a break in the story now because that's this story is really two stories. That's the first part of the story, and the next part of the story we're going to have to get to Sodom. But I want to take uh, add a. I wanted to add a. We're still early stages of the show, so we wanted to add some fun stuff. So I wanted to add something called unofficial expert, which is that 
you guys are are comedians. You're kind of experts in your field there. But everybody is also an unofficial expert on something else that they like a lot, right? So um, you guys have brought some stuff. I want I want to have a conversation about something about which you guys are unofficial experts. So if it's okay, Drew, we'll start with you. Um, because in this time of COVID-19, you are a you've been you've been living with the breads for a long time. You are in, like so the the whole world has been like I have a lot of time on my hand. I'm gonna bake bread, but like Drew is like a bread hipster. You've been there for <laughs> for a very very long time talking about the breads. Like talk talk to me about your bread passion. Yeah, that's true. So uh, <laughs> I uh, this is me and a couple other comedians were talking about it, but the way that people are living now is how comedians live. It's like, you know, like, I got a lot, I got all day. What are we going to do today? Like, I'm going to go for a little run. I'm going to, you know, like, <laughs> get it. So yeah. I've been baking sourdough bread for like the last couple of years, at least the last two and a bit years. <clears throat> um, and uh, I don't know, my family's always been a big cooking family or whatever. And it was something that I wanted to get into after purchasing a large uh, Dutch oven, cast iron Dutch oven. I was uh, buying it initially for like roasting chickens. I was trying to perfect a roast chicken. And then I had read up that a Dutch oven was good because it's got a heavy lid and it keeps the steam in. So I bought one of those. And then I was like, what are other things I can do with the Dutch oven? Oh, you can make sourdough. So I started making sourdough. And I'm, I'm happy you asked me earlier when, when, we, when you asked me if I want to talk about bread, if I was mad about the explosion of people making bread. Right. And uh, in fact, just the opposite because to 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 be mad about other people making bread is like i can see where someone might who was interested in it as a hobby and viewed it the same way as they would a cool band or yeah. or an activity that you were into before it was cool being into but nobody owns bread <laughs> bread owns humans there would be no agricultural development without the, our ability to figure out how we could get the wheat grain milled down and mix it with the element of fire for sustenance. Because if you gave a human a bag of flour and a bottle of water, and they would die. But right. if you gave them a bottle of water and a bag of flour and heat, they could live forever. <laughs> so that right there and the ability to like, you know, like really get like agricultural farming of the grain of wheat and letting us like stabilize and centralize around that wheat grain for the sustenance of bread helped us like build societies like in an anthropological sense you know it's like very important to the context of human history i believe do you think that like have you learned any like do you feel like you're a better a different not a better but a different person like have you learned anything that like connects you to your ancestors do you think like this is where we get all weird and spiritual about bread but it's just like there are very few things that we can do now that our ancestors did and had the same experience with, right? Mm, wow, I'd never even thought of that. You know, like, so, like, like, so I can form a dough, right, into a ball and put it, and then, and then it comes out and it's golden brown and I can share it with my family. Like, cave, like, ancient cave peoples did the exact same thing in whatever variety it was, right? Do you feel like that's altered yourself at all or? 
I mean, I had never considered that perspective, but maybe on like a deeper level, it's, it's helping me connect with like, cause it is a very like, you know, it seems like a natural process. It feels like swimming almost like it's like, there's this something that like seems very human about it. And the process is very nourishing and it's rewarding and it's, and the whole thing is itself like a, a very like, I don't know, it takes time and it takes effort and, and, you know, you really have to think about it and plan the steps out and you have to, you know, factor time into it as well. That's the other thing is like time is a huge ingredient in this. It's flour, water, salt, and yeast, but it's also the fifth ingredient of time, right. which people don't. And that's what also I think helps like separates, you know, the, the dumb guy who just mixes the flour with the water versus the smart guy who decided to let it wait a day and then bake it. And then right. his was better and his family was smarter and stronger because they had better bread instead of the rock loaf that friggin' Fred Flintstone's cooking down the way or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, like, one of the things that I find interesting about this is like, how do you, how do you um, engage with it where, I get, uh, like, I'm going to back up and try and remember what I was actually trying to say because I forgot. But, like, um, the uh, – oh, this is where I was going. So you're a sourdough guy, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to edit that out later, all my dumb dumbness. But, like, so you're a sourdough guy. There's a part of that that feels to me – because sourdough is a living thing that you have to maintain. Otherwise, it'll die – or it'll overtake everything and outgrow its own container. It's part of me that like feels like it's like this weird living Tamagotchi that I can eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yes, it is. Yeah, like, it is. Do you, how do you feel about like, do you like is sourdough just better? Like, or like, is that just the better, is that a more pure experience or is that a, a better way to make bread or yeah man that's the vinyl bro that's the b cuts man i'm talking that straight non analog bro that's what i'm about man none of this commercial fleischmann's with your little ziploc bag of yeast dumping it in there i'm talking the deep cuts still bob dylan 62 man i'm talking miles davis 51 columbia records the first editions bro live sessions with the quintet there's, there's a part of me that feels like a little bit because I like a sourdough, but there's part of me that feels like when somebody's just like, here, try this like 75-year-old whiskey. And I'm like, mmm, tastes like burning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I mean, like, I don't know. For me, it's just, I like, I like the process of it. It's not necessarily like, I can make, I still use, I use commercial yeast. Like I use instant yeast and quick rise yeast right. and stuff. But, um, and it's the product, the end product is great. Like, you know, it's awesome. It's just the same. It's, it's nobody, it should knock it. But there is just something about that. Like, yeah, man, I'm kind of, I've always been like that. I've been like a, I've always kind of liked very like simple, basic stuff. Like I got a Stratocaster and I plug it into my one good amp and I got like, you know, I kind of like just to have the, the authentic thing, you know, like the nice real thing. If I'm going to do the thing, you know, I'm, I want to do it properly and authentically, you know, do it, yeah. do it right. Or else I'm not even going to do it. So we're like, wherever we are in, in pandemic, people are like, I want to, I'm thinking I'm going to do bread too. Do you have like a starting point for them? Is there like anything that you're just like, 
what's the easiest thing that they're not going to screw up so that they won't get discouraged and never do the bread anymore? I mean, the number one thing, if you're going to start sourdough baking or any sort of baking is having the proper kitchen scale. If you don't have a proper kitchen scale, and then in addition to that, a stainless steel mixing bowl, then you're kind of like, there's no really point in doing it. Because a cup of flour can, depending on how you pack it, how you do it, can weigh discrepancies of like 30 to 40% on a visually exactly the same cup of flour right okay. so if you, you have a kitchen scale that's the best way to get started in baking nice okay kitchen scale all yeah. right mav it's your turn you're gonna you're gonna sell us on a nickelodeon show that you really love called the adventures of pete and pete uh that's right yeah um the adventures of pete and pete started off as these like interstitials between nickelodeon shows okay uh and it's just the story of these two redhead brothers, both named Pete. And, and they just live, they live in this town called Wellsville and they have these like surreal adventures. Um, and it was just something that I grew up watching um, okay. as a kid. And it, it seems to have like gotten a resurgence in the aughts because people kept, um, I guess requesting it. So they started re-releasing um, like DVD collections of, of the show. It's, it's made by, um, by Viscardi and uh, Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi, who uh, they, they made that movie snow day, which was filmed in Edmonton. Hey, I was in that movie. <laughs> oh word. I was in, I was an extra in, in uh, the running down the hill scene during the big snowball fight. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and actually, like like, Snow Day was, uh, it had a lot of like kind of similar flavors to Pete and Pete. Yeah. Where it's like, they, it's these two ginger siblings and the younger one's always a terrorist. Um, and the older one's always trying to like date a girl. Um... <laughs> But it's it's just like a fun, you know. Like yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but but it's just like a it's a fun little time capsule between like like the like very late eighties to the early nineties, hmm. and then you get like all these fun cameos like LL Cool J as a as a school teacher, you know, or like Iggy yeah. Pop is there as like the neighbor's dad. Right. Um, yeah, like Michael Stipe shows up in as a, as an ice cream man. Uh, like yeah, just like really weird cameos, um, and it's just a fun like surreal adventure um, that we don't really see much of anymore. Like a lot of a lot of the shows is like it's basically just like the. Um, it's 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 just like a remix version of like these sexy sexy teens are solving mysteries or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they made Archie hot in River. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And yeah. What was that about? <laughs> and so it was like, this was not what I watched as as a kid. <laughs> well, I find this idea of nostalgia, like for old television shows, fascinating because it's like. If you, and it's hard to imagine, but if you came to this as like 
flat now, would yeah. you be as interested in it? Would you still? Have yeah, to- I, I think because it, it had nothing to do. It had nothing to do with like the styles of that time period. So, right. so it's not like you're nostalgic the way you would be for like old cartoons or something like that. Right. I, I I think that it is. It just kind of it it was this perfect snapshot of suburban living. Right. And even as even as a kid in the Philippines, you know, still being a suburban kid, there was something about that that was like that really got it, you know. Yeah. Um, which I really appreciated, and then just kind of like skewed just a little bit so that it's surreal. Mm. Um, but you, yeah. You have kids yet, Ma? Matt? No, 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 no kids. But uh, I've got a little brother who's eighteen years younger than me. Okay, because I find that to be sort of an interesting thing. Because like, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Voltron, but like, okay, yeah. Netflix has released seven new seasons of Voltron that, I, that my kids love. Right, they're they're new re re up the reboot of the Voltron story. Right, right. Like, and I was like, hey, let's watch these old ones from 1984. <laughs> they were what I grew up on. And they're going to be awesome. And then yeah. I sat down with my kids to watch them, and they were not awesome. No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it's just like, wait a minute, all of these fight scenes are the same. <laughs> like, <laughs> it seems like they animated one fight where Voltron fought another giant robot and then like made slight changes every time. <laughs> It's it's almost as if this was just some sort of commercial for me to buy an action figure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm always curious to revisit some of those things and be like, is this still good, or was like, or were we just were we just collectively dumb? Like, I'm trying to imagine watching The Dukes of Hazard as an adult, a show that I loved as a child. <laughs> the only cool part was when they jumped into the car through the windows. Yeah. That still would be cool. I would be that, down with that. Is still show. awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I will definitely check that out. The Adventures of People, Pete and Pete. I'm, I will turn my children onto that, and and I'm down for anything with Michael Stipe cameos. Hell um, yeah! Yeah, it's. I saw my favorite tweet that I saw recently was, "I do not feel," and it's sort of obtuse in the way that just tickles my fancy. I do not feel the way REM told me that I would feel at this particular moment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's my particular brand of annoying smart guy humor. Um, We're going to jump back into the story because it's about, if it didn't get weird beforehand with with Moses bargaining with with Abraham. Abraham. Abraham, sorry, Moses bargaining with God. Sorry, I just like I caught myself again where it was like I almost said that. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> no problem. Oh, <laughs> man, I almost got myself canceled. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna pick the story back up again because the next thing that happens is God's got two messengers. A lot of us interpret those as angels, but the word for messengers is an- and angels is the same in the Old Testament, which I always enjoy thinking of them as, as just being like Canada Post employees. That always helps me imagine the story a little bit better. Nice. So God has sent his two messages forward into uh, Sodom, and they get to Sodom, and they meet Lot, who is sitting at the city gates. And uh, and when they, they come there, and, and Lot's like, hey, welcome to town. And uh, Lot being Abraham's nephew. 
and and they're like hey how's it going and uh and he's like oh you guys just got here you should come to my house and eat and i will feed you and you can stay at my place tonight and the messengers are like actually no we were just figuring we would we want to check out the town so we were figuring we were just gonna like sleep in the city square tonight and then lot is like ah no that maybe maybe not the best idea you should come to my place i will have bread for you and food. And they're like, okay. So he does. He goes in and he, they eat together. He, the, it says very specifically that they had a feast and they had unleavened bread and they're in the house together. So they're all in Lot's house in the town now. Uh, Lot and his family and the messengers of God. And then uh, the story says very clearly that every man in the city, young and old, every single man from the entire city gathers outside Lot's house in Sodom. And they say, hey, where are those two visitors to the city? Uh, bring them out that we may know them. Now, know is a, is a Hebrew euphemism for have sex with. So every man in the city, young and old, has gathered outside and they're like, send out, we want to we wanna have sex with these two guys that uh, that are just visiting the city. And Lot says, hey, not cool, guys. Like, these guys are guests under my roof now. Like, that's not a good thing for you to do. I have these two daughters who have never known a man. I could send them out to you, and you can do with them as you will. And the man of the city, young and old, every single one of them, say, uh, no, no, not cool. We want, uh, we want the two messengers that, that, that are visiting the city. Uh, and in fact, who are you, immigrant, to be telling us what we should be doing? We're going to do worse to you than you did to them. At this point, they start to break down the door. At this point, the messengers from God intervene, our Canada Post employees, intervene, and they're like, okay, not cool. And they uh, immediately um, make every man outside uh, of Lot's doors blind. And the story says clearly that, that once they became blind, they wore themselves out groping for the door, which I would not have done. I would have given up long before I got tired. I would have been like, I can't see now. I'm just going to sit down for a little bit. And, uh, but so... So they're all blind, and then the messengers uh, say to Lot, okay, God sent us here to see if we should destroy the city. We think that we're just going to follow through with that plan, so you need to get you and your family out of here. And, and Lot's like, but why? And they're like, because. Uh, so you need to go that. And Lot goes to try and gather his entire family to do this, including his daughter's future husbands. So he goes to get the future husbands, and he's like, hey, can you come and, and uh, we need to get out of the city because God's going to destroy it. Uh, and uh, they're like, nah, that's not, you're just joking. That's not actually going to happen. Um, the messengers are like, no, it's actually going to happen. You guys need to run for the hills and don't look back. And, and Lot is still kind of a dummy and he's trying to argue and bargain on his own. He is his, his uncle's nephew. And he's like, look, I don't want to run to the hills. There's like a smaller town over there. Can I just go to the suburbs and that'll be cool? And they're like, no, God's actually going to destroy the thing. And he's like, but what about basically the equivalent of Fort Saskatchewan to Edmonton? He's like, what? A, can I just go to Fort Saskatchewan and maybe don't destroy Fort Saskatchewan? And finally, like the messengers are like, look, 
time is running short. God's about to uh, destroy this place. So yeah, you guys can go. They go, they're running out. And then it says that Lot's wife turns back towards Sodom and she is, uh, becomes a pillar of salt. It doesn't use the active verb that says she was turned into. She just becomes a pillar of salt, as you do. Uh, and then God proceeds to rain fire and brimstone down upon Sodom and Gomorrah, destroying them. And the story ends with basically the image of Abraham waking up, going out on the hill and looking out over the valley and seeing the smoke rise from Sodom and Gomorrah as it rises from a furnace. And that's the end of the story. So, <laughs> so did those, all those dudes didn't get to get it on, eh? That's a bummer. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like they, were, they wore themselves out groping for the door. Now, um, it feels like a... Or a, groping a, for I, more. Well, I was about to say, there's lots of weird euphemisms that can sometimes exist in Hebrew that I think if we go there in our heads, it's probably fair to say that they went there as well. Humans are not that different than we have been for a few hundred years. But yeah, sorry, Matt, I interrupted you. No, no, no. It just, it feels like a, a, a heckle gone horribly wrong, you know? <laughs> Where you're like, you're trying to troll these fools... Um, by saying, "Hey, we're gonna do sex to the, your guests," and and that's like not only does that like freak out the guests, it also provides them an opportunity to diss their daughters as being undesirable, <laughs> you know. And then even even as they're magically blinded, they become so they become so committed. To, to just just ruining these people's evening. Well, that's what's so okay. So the story is obviously the like. What's interesting is like we were ready. Most people when they've heard this story are ready for the like. Oh right, they yeah they all the men in the town go around and they want to have sex with the with the two angels. You know we were down for that. Right. But we're all still pretty shocked today by the like. But you can have my daughters, right? Like that is morally repugnant yeah. to us. You know, um, but yet this is in the story, right? Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that, like, throughout the book of Genesis, Lot is continually portrayed as an idiot. Like, um, Lot and Abraham kind of have this goofus and gallant relationship. I don't know if you guys remember those from when you were a little kid, but like, there was these set of cartoons where, like, goofus was like, you know, it'd be like, Gallant sits up straight at the table and eats with a knife and fork. And it's like, Goofus sits down on the floor and smashes a plate off his face, right? It was right, this kind right, of... Right, right, it sounds right. like a PEI thing. Maybe. But, uh, but Abraham, like, makes good decisions while Lot makes bad decisions, right? So, so part of what they're saying is that, like, moving to this town was, was amongst his bad decisions. And then, so I, I think it's fair to us to say that, like, sending your daughters out to the mob is also a bad decision right like, <laughs> um yeah like drew you were shocked by this you said you had grown up with these stories had you not heard that before had you forgotten? not the second part of that where it's like nah but you can have my daughters bro <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> like you just met these dudes man that's your daughter bro <laughs> well and the entire, it's really interesting because the entire story is framed in a ridiculous manner. 
right? Like Sodom and Gomorrah portrayed as, portrayed as these like cities of thousands of people. And yet it says every single man, young and old, showed up. And it's like every That's so funny. <laughs> like you can't get every you can't get every man young and old to show up for an Oilers game. And yet <laughs> <laughs> you're able to get every single dude to show up and be like, what? Is there is there, there's new guys in town for us to bang? Like I, yeah. I guess I can be into that. You know, like it's it like it's so far out there, it starts to stretch like you cannot like there's an aspect of the story where it's just like it was never intended to be taken literally you know like it wasn't like it's so far stretched already you know like how could you possibly interact with this and right you know and given what we know beforehand oh, like about like about the cry of of their evil reaching up into heaven like what do you what do you guys think about like it seems like everyone was participating in this, right? Like it doesn't seem totally. Like, yeah. it, it also gives God a, a very Batman vibe. <laughs> okay, talk to me about that. Just that, like, just that, like these people's sin created a bat signal that he had to like show up there. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Like, it's like it's because <laughs> usually, like. Yeah, there's vengeance and stuff like that, but like, he's he's always there's something about showing up at the yeah. place. It's just like you're like the the creator of the universe. Yeah, like these guys must have been doing some really heinous shit for you to to just pause everything and then show up. You know. Well but like who's crying out? Like that's the thing. Like is it the is it the the poor, the inequity, like the? Oh, okay. I like is that what like because that's what Ezekiel seems to say. You're gonna die through. Yeah, almost. Sorry, I thought I was trying to slide that under the radar there. Do you, do you have a cord or anything, or are you stuck? No, I only got the with my headphones. Okay, it no only worries. takes up one at the so, same time. Um, it's okay. We're about we're roughly an hour anyway. But um, uh, but I, I want to ask you the question. We'll continue a little bit with Mav. Uh, like, what what do you think? What what is the point of the story? Do you feel like there's a point to the story? Oh yeah, I think the point of the story is that when you, had, I think the true point of the story is that when there is a, a sign or a a signal from God, whether it be a literal messenger telling you to do something or maybe something less suggestive that you should probably do that. <laughs> like don't, yeah. Don't <laughs> like hurt. if so. Yeah. Like there's a literal dude being like, whether he's got it like a Canada post, like, but like heaven logo on <laughs> being like, we're about to murk this whole city. So you need to evacuate or something less subtle, maybe, you know, perhaps a different sign suggesting that you should do something else, you know, in your life if you want to take it more generally. But yeah, yeah, I think that's the point of it is that you should probably just keep your ears, ears open. Hmm. Do you, so like one of the stories that we ask about this is like, these stories are thousands of year old, years old. This one, whether for good or for evil, is is one of the most influential stories uh, of the last 500 years. We've got literal laws named after this story. Yeah. Should we stop telling it because it's led us to uh, astray a little bit? Because I, like, I don't think that this story is about the sex. Like, that's my opinion of it. But 
Like, should we stop telling it because we got it wrong? Or should we continue to tell it, but make sure we get it right? Or should we, like, how, what do you think we should do with it? I think it's just the underlying education because a guy like you and I are able to decipher that. But if you have a person who's underlying a less educated person, they're more inclined to lean towards the negative aspect of that story rather than take it for what it was actually meant to be. So I think it has to be like a baseline, like before you even start introducing the concept of the story to a person, they need to understand not uh, like contextualize the story itself, but then also just have a general intelligence to be able to not, and like also, a, you know, a, a starting with peace and then moving to the story, you know, like if a person has hate in their heart, this is a really big bullet for them, right? Right. You're going to use it to confirm your, all, your own cognitive biases. That it's right. Yeah. yeah. See all these it, curves? Curves get burned, right? <laughs> the, um, yeah, it seems like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is kind of like the word literally, you know, where it's like, it was a... <laughs> It used ah, to mean one thing. Sure. And yeah. then we ended up making it about this whole other thing that it really wasn't. What it now was. it means like literally the opposite. Yeah. It's yeah. like, because it used to mean like not symbolic. Yeah. And, and now it also means symbolic <laughs> somehow. Um, yeah. Where, whereas it's like, you know, a bunch of U.S. governors saw this and thought, oh, butt stuff. And it's like, no, it's not actually about that. It's, it's like, yeah. okay, cool. So butt stuff, you know, and then it just kind of got stuck there. I, yeah. I do, I do like the idea of like seeing this and, and, and like hearing your, like um, your insight on the story, uh, Dan, I, I'm even more convinced now than when I was first uh, forming this opinion that like, this is really fun to be, to, to, to see it as a comedy of errors. Right. You know, like not as this like tragedy or, 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 but, but just like the utter devotion of an entire populace of people just like trying to shit on this one guy that I guess they wanted out of their town. We hate this. We hate this immigrant so much. We which bang his guests <laughs> yeah yeah totally just like wanna we want to ruin your nice evening <laughs> like us the entire town all of us collectively every <laughs> man of <Yeah>. every age <laughs> there's another there's thing two too things that, i'm sorry go ahead oh dan i was gonna say there's two things you said that have been helpful to me one is the the recognition that um like the, all these people, all the people came, all the people. Yeah. That there's hype, high hyperbole here, and maybe the story isn't literal. That's the first time I've heard anybody say that. That's helpful. And um, and I forgot the other thing I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the, the 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 emphasis on the inequality uh, in the beginning is like, you know, if we're if we're actually going to be serious and not just goof around, like. When when you talked about how their great sin isn't the butt stuff, it's the it's yeah. the it's the inequality. <laughs> but you can't. I guess like you know, you can't make uh, megachurches 
when you when you think that way. <laughs> well, yeah, and if Drew, if you gotta go, then you you, you gotta go. Yeah, you might. Yeah, uh, uh, I was just sending you a message there. Hey, Thank yeah, you. can I say bye before my phone yeah. dies? Okay, well, this was okay. Bye. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> Thanks so much, Drew, for being here. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. It was nice to catch up with you guys. It was so nice to see Absolutely. you again. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, See you, man. Bye, Teddy. Bye. Okay. Bye, Carol. Bye, nice. Yeah. Bye. Okay. okay. Bye, guys. Yeah. I definitely think that that's important, Mav. Just talking about that idea of like, like, I, I, I guess one of the things that we should think of we're listening to a story is here's a group of people that got uh, a, a, a collective that God got so angry about because of the way that they were treating each other that he was compelled to destroy them. And yeah. I think one of the dangerous things that we always do in our own cultures is we assume that that's always someone else, right? That's another culture that <laughs> right, it's right. us, right? Yeah. It's never us that's bad. It's always someone else. And yet, and yet when you read the story, I think it's really important that the story seems to be saying, actually, no, you should be looking at yourselves, right? And if you want to use the exact language of Ezekiel, which is pride, excess of food, prosperous ease, like those are pretty clear ways to to describe like Western North American culture right now, right? Um, and I guess what I'm trying to ask for the for the people who are here and you specifically, Mav, is, is like, you know, should we be worried about fire and brimstone? <laughs> I mean, it, you know, speaking as somebody who's currently living in the weirdest most sci-fi moment in all of human history yeah i think we're already getting smote yeah smith smith yeah we're i feel like we're getting there you know yeah i feel like uh i feel like we're in it yeah well and it would be the the God, God uh, so scripturally in the Bible, God seems to be a big fan of ironic punishments. So <laughs> it would be really hilarious if like we all burned ourselves to death rather than he having to do it for us. Right? right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like uh, poor McMurray burning. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, too soon. Or, too soon. Somebody's getting cancer. I'm not saying that that that's some kind of punishment. That was was two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) They they should get over it. We can start making fun of those weirdos again. They're just in the middle of a flood right now. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of calamities happening in Fort Mac, and I'm not trying to say that there's... But also, do you think a big discrepancy between the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think that that plays out globally. And then it's played out in our cities as well, right? And, yeah, totally. and you know, and like I guess because it's really easy to be like to look at the worst photos from the developing world and be like, oh well, if I was there, I would intervene, right? And it's like okay, right. but what about the differences in the in educational quality between uh, an urban center and a rural or reser- or a, or a reservation in in Alberta, right? Like these are things that we in theory have some tangible control over right and well and also knowing how economic systems work like right. understanding that like by existing that the the way that you do you are in in effect like you are there mm-hmm. 
just those those effects aren't being felt by you. Right. <laughs> it's being felt by these people who are being exploited or whose resources are being exploited, you know, like like we're we're already all everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, and I and I think it's interesting cuz there's like a strain of theology that talks about like how God claims sovereignty over all the earth. There's not a thing on it that isn't his. And I think it's it's interesting that in some ways, and I think that like, and as someone who believes that that's true, it's also true that humanity is interconnected enough at this point in time where there's really no place on the planet that we can say, well, that has nothing to do with me. And it's like, totally. well, <laughs> unless you're living off the grid somewhere, like it does. And then you've got the privilege to live off the grid somewhere, like to make that a choice. Right. right. Um, yeah. And that's, um, just to clarify a couple of things about the story that I, that I think just need to be said out loud. Um, uh, we, I think that we can all, there's four of us in the room right now or some more. I think we can all agree that mass, uh, sexual assault by an entire town on guests is a bad thing, right? Like we're all on the same page. Or yeah. daughters. Oh yeah. Well, I was That was the second. I, even, Sexual assault in non-mass form. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Right. But yeah. I was gonna start small and build my way. And then, right. and then, yeah, right. Get get specific. Right. Like, in the same way that Abraham was like fifty. Well, what about forty-five? You know, I was gonna start with like we can all agree. <laughs> and entire city's worth of men. Yeah, taking bad. on two people is bad simultaneously we can the moral of that condenses to no matter how totally. you go that non-consensual sexual activity is always bad right absolutely <laughs> like, but 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 also i think that it in, inherent in that i think that we can also probably all agree that having an entire town threaten to have sex with your guests is kind of funny, like a little bit, just yeah. it just in in the magnitude of its uncert like absurdity. Well, yeah, and I, and I think you're approaching something that 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 I think affects the way that I view the Bible because, like, taking off the mask of the show for a second, like I believe that the Bible is true. I believe that the Bible is is serious and is worth taking seriously. But simultaneously, uh, I think we do ourselves a disservice in our interpretation if we act as if things that are bizarre and strange in the Bible aren't bizarre and strange at all, right? Right. Like, there's no time in human history where they would have been like, right, that's what that whole town of men wanted to do, right? So if that's our first visceral, visceral reaction to the story, I don't think we do ourselves a service and learn more about the story by then throwing on seven layers of theology to interpret it through in order to get there. It's just like, why don't we have the story be the story and then adapt our theologies to the story? That seems to be what we were given. Because if you're a person who believes that this is true, like I do, and lots of people don't, and you're welcome here if you don't, that's fine. But like, one of the things that happens in the way that we interpret the Bible is that we get a theological grid and then we force the Bible into it, you know, which is not the way that we were given this. 
The theology came afterwards. We were given this collection of, of stories first. So, you know, oh. that's one of my biases is that like, yeah, if you're just like, wait a minute, isn't it weird that an entire town of men were all showed up and were interested in these two guys? It's like, yes, it's that we should notice that. We should, you know, respect our initial visceral reactions to the so stories. You know, yeah, because otherwise you get the Star Wars prequels. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, if you listen, there's actually an interesting moment on, in episode two because uh, Noor Hadidi was on and she's a, a practicing Muslim woman. And, uh, and uh, we were just joking that like Old Testament, New Testament and, and uh, the Quran are sort of like the three series. <laughs> like, oh, perfect. <laughs> you know, no, everybody's got their favorites and they all argue. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. That's a tasty one. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like the, 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 we're all arguing over the same collection of stories, but it's just like, I think mine are the most true interpretation. <laughs> and it, and, 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 and I mean, invariably, it's whichever one you happen to grow up with, right? Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that is the case. Yeah. What a coincidence. Is there, like, I'm sure that there's a kid out there, or not a kid now, but there's, like, a, a younger person who's, like, the first Star Wars movie that they saw was The Phantom Menace. And they're like, no, I think that that was the truest. <laughs> that's the truest interpretation of this story. And then... Really, the the second movie that is all about like the workings of the the intergalactic senate and long obtuse conversation. <laughs> it's really kind of like Leviticus, you know, like <laughs> just with less animal sacrifice, you know. <laughs> I don't know who Jar Jar Banks is, but but I need to spend more time in this for my master's study. <laughs> oh man. Well, this was a blast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. I am, uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna about to close this off. Is it, so, same question that I put to Drew, uh, I put to you, Mav. Like, wh what do we toss this, turn it up, tame it? What, how do you think that we should be approaching this? Uh, you know what? Just turn it up. I, I think we could, we could do with a little more reminding about how a, a big focus of the Bible was trying to cure inequity hmm. you know um i feel like uh with with um what is what is that like there there's a specific kind of uh evangelical where it's all like prosperity gospel or something like right. that health and wealth or prosperity gospel. <laughs> right 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 yeah <laughs> Thing, I feel like that's had a long time in the sun yeah. now, you know, and yeah, we could, we could do a little reevaluating. We should, we need to bring, we need to bring back some of the fire and brimstone only. I, th I think so. It, sure. that, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. That's an interesting, we could do with a little bit more fire and brimstone, a little bit more fear only have it be the things that God was actually mad at. Instead exactly. Of exactly. You know, like, like, and wish that God were mad at. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, again, uh, thank you everybody for, for showing up. Uh, thank you, Mav. Thank you, Drew. Uh, even though Drew's not here, thank you, Carol, for showing up in person. And uh, yeah, we will, uh, we will be back next week when we'll be talking about another story with some other people. I have one guest confirmed, actually. Teddy, who is that? Um, Mark Sandel. Yeah, Dr. Mark Sandel from King's University is going to be here. Nice. And uh, we're going to be telling, uh, he's an English professor, uh, literature professor, so we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be trying, uh, we're going to be trotting out another story. History, I think, actually. Sorry, history? Oh, I thought yes. it was literature. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, we will be talking about a, another story of where um, multiple things die, potentially.